Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. I'm a World War I freak, an absolute World War I freak. I love history. 
I open up every one of my radio shows every day talking about a different story throughout history. But I'll be honest, it's World War I that really sucks me in. Maybe it's because many people don't know that much about it. Everyone talks about World War II. But World War I, one of the things that made it unique and uniquely horrible is the trench warfare. I mean, you probably know it for people use gas on each other, which was awful. But trench warfare. One, tr one side has a trench here. The other side has a trench there. You've got Germany over here and France over there. All right, we probably don't like France. Britain. All right, we'll go with Britain. German trench, British trench. Now, if you're in the British trench and you're constantly fighting these Germans and there's machine guns and there's gas attacks and they're shooting at you and you're shooting back and you're doing all that, are you going to be angry with the Germans when the Germans shoot at you every single day? You'd be a little annoyed, but probably not angry, right? Why? I mean, I've been to combat. Why? That's the game, man. That's the enemy. You don't necessarily have to hate him. Oftentimes, you don't. But if you're in the British trench and you spend your time shooting at the Germans and they're shooting back, and every now and then somebody in your own trench takes his weapon and turns and shoots you with it, are you going to be angry with him? You bet you will. I'm tired of my own side in this political fight. I don't have a nicer way to put it than that, nor am I sorry about how I just put it. The current GOP in this country, it disgusts me. It's not good enough. The left is in its final form now. When I say final form, I mean fully violent. They've taken over large parts of U.S. cities, major U.S. cities. They're killing people, looting people, damaging things. And that's just what's going on on the street level. On a national level, the left is openly siding with China. The left wants the border open. Let's, let's just pause for that for a moment. The left, the Democratic Party is campaigning on opening up the border. Can you think of any political party in any nation in the history of mankind openly advocating for destroying its country? Nobody, the Bolsheviks wouldn't have campaigned on something like that. But the Democrats are. But that's not the problem. We know that's what they are. Okay, we can deal with that. We've got an opposing force. We have an enemy there. We can deal with that. It's our response that's the problem. The GOP weakness and sometimes just flat out coming alongside the left and just going along with whatever they're doing, helping them along, it's shocking. The left is here in its final form, and we've never been weaker. We've never been more scared. And why are we more scared now than ever? If we're really at the place in America where we're going like this, where we're breaking up, we're dividing, Okay, it's not ideal. I don't want it. I'm assuming you don't want it. That's not ideal. Land that I love going through this. But if that's where we are, and by any, by any account that's where we are, isn't that more of a reason to be bolder than ever? At this point in time, why shrink? Why hide under the bed? Why go along with what they're doing? Now is the time to be bold. In times like this, what do you have to lose? Be bold. We are taking on a political party now. I, wouldn't, I would never have said this about even the party of Bill Clinton. 
and certainly before that. It's not, definitely not the party of JFK. I would never have said we're taking on somebody who wants to tear the country apart and destroy it. You can't look at the current stance of the Democratic Party nationally and come to any other conclusion. I mean, the Green New Deal alone, would complete, it, would, it would destroy America. We know that. In the face of that, we need a bold Republican Party. And instead, they're pathetic. Instead, we get things like this. I think the Republican Party, and as it being led by the president, has lost its way on debt and deficit and government spending. I mean, that used to be a benchmark of what the Republican Party was supposedly about. And I think the president's taking us in the wrong direction there. I think as well, though, and I saw it in this congressional district right here on the coast, you know, I, I think that there is something, you know, you can say the right thing, but you say it in the wrong way, it just has no effect. And so take, for instance, this district right here in the coast of South Carolina that's been a Republican for about 50 years. Because of the president's tone, uh, soccer moms, working women, uh, young millennials in droves went the other direction. As a consequence, this district went Democrat for the first time in about 50 years. So I, I think the president's tone is off. I mean, I could go through a number of different things, but there are different building blocks that advance parties and ultimately the ideas that they stand for, and I think we're missing a number of those building blocks. The president's tone? Okay, even if I, setting aside the debts and deficits, which I actually agree with, and we're going to get to in a moment, the president's tone? Soccer moms and millennials? Are we really going to watch America burn and twist ourselves into knots trying to make the truth more appealing to soccer moms? Is that what this party is now? Do you think soccer moms are all about some weak, mealy mouth response in Washington, D.C.? Or do you think they will follow bold leadership like everyone else does? I'm stunned when I hear things like Trump's tone. And I have my issues with Donald Trump, as you've heard. It's mainly the spending and the deficits and the coronavirus response. But tone? We're worried about tone at this point? Your job as a leader, especially when a nation is in the trouble we're in, is not to make everybody feel better. Your job is to lead and be bold. Trump's tone? Have we become a nation of teenage girls now? Is that what we are? Oh, and speaking of debts and deficits and spending, here's Mitch McConnell. Senate Republicans and the administration have been consulting over the last few weeks to come up with a realistic proposal with what we think is an appropriate amount of additional debt to be added uh, to the economy at this time. We think it is about a trillion dollars, and we've allocated that in a way that we think makes the most sense for the country at this particular time. A trillion dollars? Like it's nothing. I, we think it should be a trillion dollars. We used to have tea parties. I know I was at them under Barack Obama when he was passing seven, eight hundred billion dollar bills that we mocked. Do you remember how we mocked them? Rightfully so. This isn't stimulating anything. And Obama would say idiotic things like, well, this is going to save or create 50 million jobs, something stupid like that. He always had that line. That's exactly what we're doing now. 
only more. We already passed the $2 trillion one. We're just, well, we think a trillion would be nice to add to the debt. Are people completely unaware of what that means? When that train stops, and you understand that that train stops, right? There has to be a stop to it. And just to give you some indication of why it's not going to stop anytime soon, anytime anybody in D.C. even mentions a reduction to the spending increase that's planned. We're not even talking about cutting spending. It's, well, we spent a trillion this year. Oh, we're scheduled to spend $2 trillion next year. I actually think we should only spend $1.8 trillion next year. People freak out like the world's coming to an end. And these stimulus bills, they're huge giveaways. That's all they are. The last $2 trillion bill, we're still working out all the waste, fraud, and abuse from that. And we're talking about doing another one? And you know what sucks the most? And this might be the part that sucks the most. When, and I do stress when, when we slam into that wall, dollar collapsing debt, all that stuff, people who've been blowing through this money, Republican and Democrat, not one of these people will step up to the microphone and be, well, it's kind of on me. Not one of them. There is no accountability anymore, and maybe that's the problem. Oh, and you remember the beginning of these Black Lives Matter scumbag protests? When they're killing people, looting, burning, holding a gun to the head of the American public and demanding things like reparations? And then we had, what did we get from the GOP? Did we get boldness? Did we get, no, we're standing up for our law enforcement. Yes, some individual departments may need reform, but police are not the bad guy. Nope, this is what we got. You sit on the Armed Services Committee, you support renaming those bases. Should the president sign the bill? Well, I absolutely believe that we need to have a discussion on this. And again, sometimes those discussions are very hard. But I do believe that we should talk about these military bases that were named for generals that took up arms against the United States. Uh, so I welcome that discussion. I think we all should. Can you even believe that? As if any of these scumbags in the street care about Confederate military base names. They're just pushing you around to see how much you'll take. The left does this all the time. They just push and push and push to see how much you'll take. And you know what? I can hardly blame them at this point in time because every time the GOP does this, well, I mean, okay, I maybe not reparations, but I, well, we shouldn't rename some bases though, right? I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. I mean, I didn't, I didn't like Robert E. Lee. See how, see how not racist I am? I'm very not racist. Everyone see? It's embarrassing. No, we're not changing anything. In fact, the next time you demand we rename a military base, we're going to name 10 more after Confederate generals until you shut up and go away and stop whining. That's called leadership. Yeah, what do I know? All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. You know what else should make you uncomfortable? The information on you that is online. I, I wish this wasn't the case, believe me. I did not grow up in the internet era, so I'm still getting used to this myself. But the truth is this. There's all kinds of information on you a simple search away online. 
information you need to start getting off the internet now. Gun records, online dating profiles, you can't imagine how much of it that you put there and stays there even after you think you delete it. You need to find out how much information on you is still out there and you need to find out now. Go to getthetruthnow.com. That's getthetruthnow.com. Put in your name. Figure things out. We'll be back. Joining me now, a friend of mine, Chuck DeVore. He's a former assemblyman from the state of California, and now he's the vice president of national initiatives at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. My word, Chuck, that is an absolute mouthful. We've got to find a way to shorten that title. Well, uh, you could just say TPPF, but the problem with that is that people often use either 1P or 3Ps. They, they kind of stutter. So, uh, you know, your choice. And by the way, I just wanted to let you know, this is the first interview I believe I've ever done with someone who is taller than me. So I'm a little nervous, <laughs> a little nervous, so be gentle. Look I, don't, look, I don't blame you, Chuck, for being intimidated. I am this super important, famous, imposing figure. I mean, really, really a frightening, frightening individual. All right, all right, the GOP. Chuck, now I would assume that you're probably going to be a bit gentler than I have been on the show tonight about the GOP, but I have to be honest, uh, they make me want to vomit, Chuck. I, I don't see why there's any difference between them and the Democrat Party. They blow money like no tomorrow. I mean, at a national level, we should be defunding these scumbag universities. Instead, we're just chucking more money at them with the stimulus program. They, they caved on all the stupid Black Lives Matter stuff, and now they backtracked on that. What's this party supposed to be worth to me? Huh. Well, that, that's, a, uh, that's a good opener. Um, of course, uh, what I'm mainly concerned about is what are, in fact, the remaining distinctions. Uh, now, I work in a nonpartisan think tank. Uh, we work in a state where every elected official at the statewide level is a Republican, and we have a fairly decent majority in both houses. And if you look at certainly Texas, the way Texas has been governed, I would argue that we're doing better than just about every state in the union that's run by Democrats. Um, and so uh, I certainly share some of your frustration nationally, but, you know, Jesse, we've had this problem for a long time at the national level, haven't we? Why does Texas do it okay and the National Party can't do it okay? I, explain that to me, Chuck. It's not as if we'd ever send Texans to Washington, D.C. Why can't they model themselves after us or get it figured out? What do we do little things right that they don't? Well, I think the number one thing uh, is that when you're at the federal level, you have something called the Federal Reserve and you have the U.S. Department of the Treasury, uh, and you're allowed to run deficits. Uh, and in past years, of course, a lot of those deficits have been financed with uh, purchases of our T-bills from the People's Republic of China and, and other nations uh, overseas, as well as, of course, investors within the U.S. States can't do that. States can't run deficits indefinitely. And therefore, what they have to do if they want to expand government is they have to raise taxes. And raising taxes is really unpopular. Uh, you could get away with it in places like California, where I left, right? I fled from California to Texas 
because California continues to raise taxes year after year, has the highest individual income tax rate, 13.3%. Texas has no income tax, right? So uh, I think that's the number one thing. You can borrow money. And the number two thing is when you have divided government like we do now, you can't pass anything without getting both houses of Congress to agree. And if the Democrats dig in their heels, then, you know, the Republicans are going to look at it and go, hey, you know, why not spend a little more money? We'll just borrow a little more. You mentioned California, and I'm glad you brought up this point because Texans in general especially Republicans and Texans, are all about this recruiting businesses from other states to come to Texas. And I, I look, part of me loves it because I love the jobs. I love the economic growth that comes with it. At the same time, Chuck, I'm looking at polls in Texas. They're closing. They're closing uncomfortably so. And I can make the argument we're inviting in these companies. They're bringing jobs, but they're bringing Democrat voters with them in a state that is not that blood red. Yeah, that's a, a certainly a, a very important concern and so, certainly something I hear all the time. Uh, but what I'd like to do is, is perhaps put your mind at rest as well as the vast legions of your followers' uh, minds at rest and cite three polls that maybe suggest it's not quite that simple. Uh, the first poll was done uh, about six years ago by UT Austin and the Texas Tribune, and it polled specifically Californians who had moved to Texas. And it found by a margin of 57% to 27% that they were conservative versus liberal. Second poll, it was a CNN exit poll during the 2018 Ted Cruz versus uh, Robert Francis O'Rourke, uh, the US Senate race. Uh, and what you saw there was that among native Texans, O'Rourke won by three points. But among people who moved to Texas, Cruz, and by the way, Cruz moved to Texas, among people who moved to Texas, Cruz won by 15 points. Last poll, poll that we did at the Texas Public Policy Foundation last uh, December 2019. Uh, doesn't it seem like a century ago, 2019? Anyway, we polled 800 uh, likely voters in Texas. And what we found is that, uh, is that by a margin of five points, people who moved to Texas backed Trump over natives uh, vis-a-vis uh, -vis Clinton in the 2016 election. So all three polls showed that you generally have conservatives moving to Texas. And I'd argue it's because we're more culturally conservative and it's kind of a big deal if you're a liberal moving from California to Texas, uh, maybe with okay. the exception of Austin. That actually does make me feel better, Chuck. I mean, I guess I should have checked my own record before I did that. I moved to Texas, and I moved to Texas specifically because of the culture. We were living in Washington, D.C. at the time, and everybody's a daggone rude there, plus the food sucks. We wanted to move to some place where they say yes, sir, and no, ma'am. That's right. Well, I mean, don't you have that all the time anyway, given the imposing figure that you cut? <laughs> well, yes, obviously. I mean, I'm treated with such a high level of respect everywhere I go, which I can't blame people for that. All right, speaking of Texas, coronavirus. Obviously, our state has done okay, but again, we had a booming economy going into it. How do you think we've handled it? I will tell you, full disclosure, my opinion, I think we've actually gone too far to the left on some of these things as far as mandating this, mandating that. I don't like anybody, Republican or Democrat, mandating things. What do you think? 
Well, let me uh, first of all say two, two big points, one uh, positive and one not so positive. On the positive side, uh, Governor Abbott and um, uh, Dr. Zerwas, a former state house member that he put in charge of the response, did yeoman's work in expanding the hospital bed and ICU capacity of the state by about 89% from March through early June in case uh, the amount of virus cases overwhelmed the system. Uh, so they did a great job preparing for a worst case scenario. On the negative side, the data that we've been getting has been sluggish and incomplete. Uh, it it's been, uh, hasn't been helpful at all in illuminating policymakers as to the best path forward. Uh, and so what we've seen until just recently is very poor demographic case data, very poor fatality case data. And why does that matter? Well, it matters because uh, in the last few weeks, we've seen uh, circumstantial evidence combined with numerous uh, media reports from both Mexico and from uh, communities along our southern border that suggest that because of the complete collapse of the Mexican medical system, that you have a number of both U.S. nationals who live in Mexico because it's cheap and they have family there, but then work in Texas, as well as Mexican nationals who uh, may be coming across the border gravely ill uh, because they're allowed to. Uh, if you look at the Trump border order, uh, it does not shut down the border to all traffic and certainly not to people who need medical care. Uh, and so the problem is, is that our data is not granular enough to understand how many people have we been helping out? How many people have we been providing medical services to who have fled across the border because of the utter collapse of the Mexican medical system? It would have been nice to know that. And it would have been nice to know that because it, it affects policy decisions that are made if you know where the sources of these new infections are coming from. Chuck DeVore, appreciate your time, sir. Thank you. Well. Look, I'm still glad I'm here. I'm dang glad I'm here. And let me tell you, as somebody who's moved and lived all over the country, it is better in a red area if you're someone who's considering moving. Just the basic values of the people around you, it is better. All right. It's a scary world out there now. And it's time for you to start locking up your valuables, not just against theft, against fire. Have you seen the news right now? Look, it's crazy. And it's time for you to get a hold of Vault Pro. Vault Pro, one, they're veteran owned. That means a lot to me. Two, it's not just gun safes. I mean, they have gun safes as well. We're talking shelters. We're talking custom built vaults. Custom built vaults with things like air conditioning, workbenches, bunks. When I say they can make you whatever, I don't want to overpromise, but they can make you some really, really great things. Or you can go, they have something for every price point. You can go to vaultprousa.com. That's vaultprousa.com and check out what they have, whatever you get. The time is now. They are made in America, veteran owned, and they have incredible products. Go to vaultprousa.com.
Joining me now are Mr. Joseph Pinion III, and his title is a mouthful. He is the strategist chair of the Conservative Color Coalition, when really what he should be doing is sitting in the United States Senate, like I told this guy the last time he came on the show. Joseph, how is your Senate campaign going? Uh, not well. Um, right now, we're still on lockdown like most folks. I'm just trying to make sure I can walk my dog as much as possible and, and make sure my grandmother is, is still there for us to see her because God knows with Andrew Cuomo's policies, uh, you can't tell. You know, I'm actually glad you brought this up. I wasn't even sure I was going to talk to you about this because we've been going off about the GOP tonight, and we'll get there in a minute. But I find this to be one of the most amazing stories in America, that Andrew Cuomo... His state's responsible for like half of all the country's coronavirus deaths. He had a policy in place where he puts coronavirus patients in nursing homes, specifically targeting the most vulnerable people to coronavirus. And the national media still treats this guy as if he's the hero of coronavirus. I mean, look, I think this is basically par for the course when it comes to Democrats. Um, basically, everything that they come up with from sloganeering uh, sounds great. The substance um, is literally deadly. Um, and I think we saw that here with the COVID-19 outbreak in New York State. Um, you know, people like to yell at President Trump, but at the end of the day, more people have died in New York than pretty much any place else. Um, when you talk about our elderly, uh, African-Americans, the vulnerable, um, all the people that Democrats say are their priority list, uh, those are the people who fared the worst, and they fared no place worse uh, than here in New York. So I think, again, as we get to this pivot to our later conversation about what does the GOP need to do to have unity um, and to make sure that we can start winning elections, not just today, but five years from now, it's about getting the people in pain to realize that the people who are pimping their pain um, don't mean anything uh, for them to have for their own. Joseph, I never listen to the news too much when it comes to what the public actually feels. I mean, you've seen what we've seen over the past two, three months between the coronavirus lockdowns and these idiotic Black Lives Matter protests and everything else. I never believe that many people are as outraged as the news is showing me. But clearly some people are mad. Where is the GOP failing in your mind? I know where I think they're failing. Where do you think they're failing? Look, I think that you have to be willing to take a stand. Um, if we understand that Democrats are the, uh, the party of slacktivism, um, that we know the GOP has always been the party of ideas. And with ideas comes a little thing called nuance. Um, and so I think for me, we should be able to talk about the fact um, that Black Lives Matter Inc. Um, means nothing good for black people when it comes to the actual policies that they're activating, advocating for. When you talk about black people in the streets, um, three-year-old black girls getting shot dead on a stoop, um, I think as a party, we should be able to say to them concretely that we hear your pain. Um, and I think that we can lean into the solutions that we all care about, that we know that law and order can be a force for good in those communities. I say that if there were more police on the streets, then little girls wouldn't be getting, having, watching their father get shot dead in broad daylight, as we saw here in New York City. You wouldn't have an 83% increase in homicide year over last in a place like Chicago. So we can lean into the message that we have here uh, when we say have law and order together and the notion that people somehow think that law and order is an impediment to justice shows just how little they truly understand what this nation of america is all about 
Joseph, they also don't understand the condition of the terrible urban black communities. People can't get mail now if the cops won't escort FedEx and UPS into these places. People, people are calling cops and the cops either can't come, don't have the manpower to come. We've taken the, the life of an urban black person in this country and this horrible movement has made it so much worse because now they're totally at the mercy of these scumbags that are around them. Well, look, I mean, I just, this past, what, this past weekend, we were watching people gathered in throngs to take down a statue um, of Christopher Columbus in Chicago, as if somehow removing this statue was going to make black people safer. Um, it does not. Um, what black people need um, is to dispel with the myth of equal outcomes that Democrats are, are peddling um, and embrace the reality of equal opportunity, which is what conservatism has always been the bedrock of. So now we're talking about schools, school choice, making sure that people have the opportunity to give their children the education that they deserve. Right? You have all these people who are outraged by the fact that you have millionaires and billionaires gaming the system to, you know, to squeeze their children into elite colleges, and yet somehow ignore the fact um, that black children are literally um, put in a hole when it comes to your educational opportunity. Um, so things of that nature, making sure, again, that people have the ability to feel safe in their home, because if you want to talk about microaggressions, I don't know what you call watching your peers get murdered week after week. Um, so those are the things that I think as a party we can lean into messaging to say that we hear your pain, that America has not been what it should be for black people, but that is particularly because of the policies that have been in, in developed and imbued by the party that we are disproportionately a member of. Uh, see, I think that's what we can focus on as we move forward into a 21st century and asking ourselves, what does a next generation conservative movement actually look like? Joseph. I hate identity politics. I despise it. I consider it a Democrat thing. But please, you're welcome to disagree with me here. And I hate when the GOP dips their toe in the water of things. Well, we have to run a woman because look how appealing we'll be to women. We have to make sure we get so many black people up there. Up? Oh, do we have enough Asians? Do we have? I've, I find that to be detestable. I want politicians to talk to me as all Americans because we're all Americans. We're all going for hopefully the same thing: freedom, prosperity, and whatnot. But. Am I wrong? Should we be doing that? Should, should, should we be doing the identity politics game? Look, I, I think that we can encourage people to take pride in their culture and their communities. Um, we are happy when Albanians come together and say that we have supported one of our own um, to take that next step when people from the Jewish community come together. And we can be excited when people from the black community come together. The problem is when you tell people that you have to vote for somebody because they're black or you have to vote for somebody because they're Albanian or you have to vote for somebody because they're Jewish. That is when we have taken a sound premise um, and really turned it into a parlor trick nightmare. Um, so I think, you know, the, if we're talking about the GOP in particular, I think the, 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 the crazy thing is that we saw identity politics at its worst um, at a time when we could least afford it. You go back to the Senate, the Senate race for Barack Obama, where we had not one, but two divorce proceedings that ended up being un unsealed, something that's never happened in the history of American politics, by the way. And we ended up deciding that we were going to run Alan Keyes um, as the opponent uh, for Barack Obama. Well, I can tell you right now, Alan Keyes is a brilliant man. He was not the right man for the job. If we had simply run somebody like Dick Butkus, nobody would know who Barack Obama is. Um, and so I think that if you look at it from that perspective, our goal should always be who is the best person for the job. And if there is an opportunity along the way to have a broader coalition, 
then all, all, of course we should actually be able to embrace that. And I think if you looked at that stage in 2016 that's often maligned, you saw the tapestry of America all across that 2016 GOP presidential stage. The Black Lives Matter organization itself, obviously you and I are going to agree on, on their mission being horrendous. What I'm worried about is people in the GOP, not so much now, but initially, they were way too intimidated when it came to speaking out against it because it's got a great name, right? I mean, who wants to say black lives don't matter? Everybody wants to say black lives matter. Why is the GOP so scared in addressing real issues like that? How hard is it to come out and say, uh, this is not a civil rights group, this is a leftist front group? Well, look, I, I think we, again, this goes back to my whole point about nuance, right? That we should be able to say that these are individuals who are self-identified Marxists. These are individuals who basically believe that America as it is, is no good. Um, that the vision that was America is rooted in white supremacist ideology. Um, so I, I think that should be obvious to everyone. But I think that I often make the comparison, and hopefully not in a disparaging way, to the NRA. To say that the NRA is not the safeguard of my Second Amendment rights, the Constitution is. Um, and the NRA exists because people care about gun rights. Uh, people don't care about gun rights because of the NRA. And similarly, when I talk about Black Lives Matter, people took to the streets to affirm themselves, to say that my life matters, similar to the 60s when you had men walking around in, in Memphis with a placard that said, I am a man. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. What, what is wrong with that is when we as a party fail to make the distinction between the people in pain and the people who are pandering in the name of that pain. And I think if we can strike that message, I think if President Trump and all the way down through our party can always say that the conservative part movement, the Republican Party, has always been the home for individuals who want individual freedoms, who want liberty, who want justice, who want a pathway to a better life for their children and their children's children, and say that these individuals who want to take you back to policies that have never worked in the history of the world do not have your best interests at heart, there are many people across the entire spectrum of America that would actually be able to understand that message. And yes, there are snowflakes on the left who will still reject it, but at the interest of the day, we have individuals who will see that clearly and be able to understand that conservatism has and always will carry the day. Buddy, you're going to have to get your grandma on. You guys are going to have to move out of New York, so we got to have you in higher office. Joseph Pinion III, I appreciate you, my man. <laughs> Thank you so much, brother. Good to see you. Be good. All right, we're not done. Hang on. Joining me now, former congressman and current dean of business at Liberty University, Dave Bradaman. You probably know if you watch this show every single night. Congressman, I am frustrated with the Republican Party, and I'm frustrated badly. I am tired of this absurd spending. They're, they're artificially keeping interest rates low. They're just throwing money around as if it's going to last forever while they help torpedo the economy. How am I supposed to convince a swing voter neighbor of mine to vote Republican based on spending in November? Well, uh, the swing voter comparison, uh, everything you just said is true, and it's worse than that. We've violated every principle there is. We've moved all of our supply chains to China. 
We racked up the debt. Now we're at 30 trillion. The economy's in the tank. Uh, and the reason is, though, and why you can still maybe win over that swing voter is it's a choice between uh, runaway Republican spending versus Marxist socialist takeover of your government and of your life. And so we're messing it all up. We violated all of our first principles, uh, but the left is promising to do even worse by far. And at least you have a semblance of freedom right now uh, if you're in the suburbs, in the cities, not so much. How did we mess it up? What happened to us as a party? Has it, has it always been like this that I'm crazy, or did the party used to actually have some sort of principle they'd stand on? Yeah, even the Democrats did. I mean, look at JFK, right? I mean, he's pro-Catholic, pro-religion, pro-business, pro-tax cut, pro-strong defense. Uh, and the, the left has lost it. And uh, my party's lost it, too. We're, we're bought and paid for. Look at the big uh, tech guys up there, Google and Facebook and Amazon, all them uh, up on the, on the thing. They bought and paid for the whole thing. We've allowed monopolies to take over the most uh, important industry in the country, the flow of information. Uh, they're setting up a firewall similar to China. We think, oh, China's just awful, right? They're repressive, totalitarian. They have a social credit score. Uh, they, where they keep track of every person. That's what we're doing with Google and Facebook, et cetera. When, when they have a bias, they've built up a social credit score on you as a person and on uh, Republican po political posts, and they don't allow them. And the U.S. government allowed them that space to be a platform, not a picker and a chooser of winners, uh, just a platform for the free flow of information. And that, that's the scariest, and Google is by far the scariest uh, proposition of all four. I agree, especially when you consider how much information Google has on pretty much all of us. And I'll be honest, I'm yep. glad you brought this up because this is, this is one of those things I struggle with anymore. I used to be a lot more certain. I wake up in the mornings and I'm fairly libertarian, small government, and then I find out all the things these people are doing. And by the time I go to bed at night, I want federal troops nationalizing Google offices. Right. What is the right thing to do, though? Yeah, well, you, that's not what you just said is not a contradiction. Uh, we, we should all be libertarian in economics and, and move the needle in that direction, right? You, don't, you certainly don't want more federal government running your life. But the prerequisite for this country and the thing that made it great and the thing that's gone is the Judeo-Christian religious ethos, right? You don't need to push the religion, but just the ethics, like the Ten Commandments are not bad, right? Do not steal. These are kind of fundamentals. And then after that, you've got the Constitution uh, of the United States, the rule of law. And uh, when you want uh, the rule of law to be sustained by using federal force, of course you should want that. Everybody should want that. The rule of law is what keeps us safe at night and keeps all the rest of it in play. So there's nothing wrong with wanting a strong federal role there, but then all the rest of it, get out of here, right? Go away and quit subsidizing all the businesses and special interests and leftist entities and uh, boy, uh, the, the, the Biden left, right, that VP pick is going to be crucial because Biden's a placeholder and we're going to see how far left we're going to go. 
Well, it's apparently going to be pretty far, Congressman, because at this point in time, it's the worst kept secret in the world that it's going to be Kamala Harris. Now, if it's Kamala yep. Harris, that is extra frightening because she is wingnut left and Joe Biden is a yep. shell of himself that he's, he's going to be able to do nothing to stop his staff and her from yanking him clear off into the deep end. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the Democrats have announced, right? I'm, I'm not making this up. They've announced they'll get rid of the Electoral College. That means California and New York popular vote elections are done. Right. And then they change the Supreme Court. Uh, then they provide free everything for everybody. The economy then, then the real economy does tank because there's no incentives and the rich uh, who are all on the left right now, all those Facebook, Google, Amazons are all lefty billionaires, right? No one seems to get this. And uh, the left gets bigger, more powerful, and the radicals in the streets scream at Republicans being the business class. Uh, so we, we just got to do a better job, and you, you do. You're one of the few outlets that gets the information out there. What is the solution when it comes to the tech companies? I'm, I'm assuming we're not going to actually kick in the door with federal troops. Is it simply taking away that platform designation? Do we want, a, a, I mean, God forbid I could even say the word, do we want a new federal agency? I hardly, I can't imagine that's a solution. What is the solution? Well, kind of a twofold. Matt Gates out of Florida is a firebrand, and uh, he's got a Department of Justice injunction against uh, the head of uh, Google and the head of Facebook, I think, for lying under oath last time. They said they uh, didn't have anyone in their entities that was uh, pushing a bias uh, that would affect uh, search at Google, for example. Turns out that was a lie, a thousand-fold lie. And so he's got an injunction going forward. He's going to pursue that. Uh, he, he recently, though, said, you know, uh, the whole Congress is bought and paid for. And uh, all these, the big four yesterday, they've hired congressional staff members, family members. Uh, you know, they, they, they own the market. And so the best you can hope for, right, their popularity is 80, Congress is 30. You're not going to win that one. So the best you can do is, is get a level playing field where they – have to be transparent and we better do it before november uh because the left can't wait to get a hold of the uh, national communist uh, printing presses speaking of before november congressman where are my indictments for all that russian collusion hoax nonsense yeah. i mean I'm, I'm told all the time about ag bar this and ag bar that and everybody wants to act like this guy's you know yeah. this guy's the achilles of 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 old what have I seen? I've seen some great sound bites on TV of him slapping around a couple idiots in Congress. What does that gain me? Right. And like you said, November cometh, and that right soon. Yeah, well, it's it's all on Trump, unfortunately. Our, the House leadership and the on the Republican side and the Senate leadership, you haven't heard a thing. There used to be a thing called Benghazi uh, a few terms back. Uh, the Clinton Foundation was $2 billion uh, raised largely from foreign entities. Uh, payoff racket. They're traveling around on first-class seats still. That never happened. And so your uh, panel here is just right. Uh, the Republicans uh, don't have a backbone, and it's worse than that. They're they're selling our country. They're selling our country away, and we're losing it. And we're not exaggerating anymore, folks. Right? Uh, you're, you're six months ago. You were watching sports, and your kids were in school, and you're going out for a appetizer at the restaurant together. And now you're not, and uh, you better hold on because the left loves the chaos 
And if you think you're going to vote, you know, uh, President Trump out and the chaos goes away, uh, do you think uh, the, the, the rioters and radicals on the streets are going to love Joe Biden? Do you think he is going to say, hey, calm down, folks. It's all good now. I'm here, right? <laughs> it's just laughable, right? They're going to get power in his orbit to continue what they're doing and to get what they really want, which is power and control of the executive branch. And then uh, they're going to have the House likely and maybe the Senate. And if they get all three, we're doomed. Congressman Dave Bratt, Dean of Business at Liberty University. Thank you, sir. Hey, thank you, Jesse. You bet. Keep it up. We'll keep on them. We've got to keep our people in check here before their weakness ruins this country. All right. I'll see you. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever, ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. Promo code JESSE. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear. 
and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.